Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Well, good day to you. You are listening to A Deeper Dive, and we have a special treat for you today, Justin Hornsby, the great Hornsby. So Justin's special and I'm not. Mm, well, he's a little bit more special. He is. <laughs> well, you are special. Well, never mind. But uh, I need to introduce myself. I'm Mark Presley, and I'm here with Sam, uh, our pastor, and Justin. And uh, we are going to go a little deeper. Now, Justin preached this past week, uh, and he was in Mark 10. We've been walking through the book of Mark, and he took us into 10, looking at children and an interaction Jesus had with his disciples and children. It's in a couple of the different synoptic gospels, but we looked at the Mark 10. But before we get going, I want to remind you to be sure to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all of the things you're supposed to do with the podcast. Tell people. We like it best. We were just talking about before we started letting us know. Uh, Mr. Gill, who listens regularly, was telling my wife about how he listens to the podcast. So stop us in the hallway, tell us, and be sure to ask us questions because that gives us the content for this podcast to dig a little deeper on things, whether it be Multiply or the sermon as we're going to talk with Justin. You can do that by texting the word question in 96123, or like I said, just catch us in the hallway. We'll make a note and we'll we'll bring that up. But let's start with you, Justin. Mm. So we have Justin, Sam, and me. Yes. Justin, why don't you recap kind of where you were in Mark 10? And, and I know your main point was, I am weak, but my God is strong. Mm. But walk mm. us through what you talked about on Sunday. Yeah, sure. And uh, a joy to get to do this together with you all. Thank you. And uh, always such a a privilege, honor to open God's Word and um, and to teach God's Word. Uh, I don't take that lightly and certainly don't, don't know that any of us feel like equipped to do that, but God calls us to do it, and so what a blessing to do it. But yeah, so this past week we were in Mark chapter 10, um, starting with verse 13, and it's a story most of us probably know if we grew up in church, uh, probably learned that like in Sunday school when we were kids, uh, because it's one of the very few times in the New Testament anyway, where there is children involved, and especially as it relates to Jesus, there's really, that may be the only time. Um, and so the, what happens is these parents, uh, presumably the moms and dads, uh, they're bringing their kids to Jesus, and um, they want um, him to just bless them. They heard that he was a godly man, I guess, or they'd seen what he'd done. And uh, the disciples don't like it because uh, they think children are a waste of Jesus' time, and uh, but Jesus says, no, 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 you, uh, these kids are, uh, I love these kids, and uh, you can't come to me unless you come like a child. And so I think um, before studying that, most of us, because that's not a passage that we probably, uh, it, one, we kind of just glance over. We think, oh, it's just a little story about children coming to Jesus. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time on it. Most of the time we think, well, what? I guess these kids were just good little kids, or they were cute, and that's why Jesus liked them. And uh, he's, he's saying we need to be like cute little kids. But uh, as you study that, you and those of us who've had kids, <laughs> we know that kids are not... Uh, Kids are not pure. They're not innocent. They, um, it's not uh, from a very young age they start making a lot of mistakes, and uh, just like all of us do. And especially as babies, kids can't help themselves. They can't do anything. Uh, all of us, uh, 
here today have had babies, and when when you have a baby, they obviously they can't get anywhere unless you take them there. They can't eat unless you feed them. They're not going to have any clothes on unless you put it on them. And uh, I think that's the point Jesus is wanting to teach us is that just like a baby needs their parent for everything, uh, we need Jesus for everything. Uh, and so often we think, I can just get there on my own. I can uh, accomplish things on my own, but we can't. And um, yeah, right before this, the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest in chapter 9, and uh, and Jesus is really wanting to show them that uh, there's nobody great. There's nobody good. Nobody deserves to come to me. Uh, you all need me, uh, and gives the example of children. And uh, so, yeah, that was the uh, really just feeling like the Lord saying that we are weak, uh, and it's good to admit our weakness. Um, it's hard for us, but that we're weak, but that He's strong, and and He loves us because of His what He's done, and because He's strong, not because we're strong. So I am weak, but my God is strong. Yes. Now, one of the questions we got in was from a referee who was talking about how, uh, no, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. No, that's good, you're referring to, because Jesus was indignant with the disciples when they started rebuking the parents. Jesus is angry about this, like righteously angry. There's a few times we see Jesus angry in Scripture, but that's the only time that Greek word, indignant, is used about Jesus as directed towards people. And so, yeah, I was just saying that sometimes we get upset, I get upset with the referees at my girls' games, but... But that is like a—that's not righteous anger. That's just me being silly, thinking I was right, which I most of the time am. But um, <laughs> but Jesus here— I love uh, how both of his illustrations also on Sunday, yeah. you're, you're probably right. Yes, you? that's right. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think the thing Jesus is uh, yeah, just wanting us to see there is that as uh, whenever something we love uh, is attacked— like for us, I was trying to think, what are some other examples of that? Well, it's like when we see uh, injustice in the world as Christians, it, when we see babies um, uh, being, you know, their lives being taken before they enter the world, that righteously makes us angry. And so the same thing with uh, Jesus here. He loves these children, they're being mistreated, and this righteous anger just flares up in him. He's not going to let that happen. And and you said righteous, but truthfully, mm-hmm. that's a Christian, non-Christian thing too. It's just seeing the innocent, which we really define as dependent yeah. more than innocent, seeing seeing that taken. But the, to transition into some questions, we actually got a, a few <laughs> texted in this week. Um, but uh, I'm going to ask this first one exactly as it goes. And Sam, you're welcome to jump in anytime. I was joking about the referees, just for the record. Don't don't yeah, don't yeah, text great. us in. But <laughs> uh, anyways, um, why does oh. I didn't say this. If you wanted to listen to Justin's mm. sermon or any of them, it's at firstmckinney.com slash on demand, and you can go back and listen to that. It'll also have stuff about Multiply, which I hope we get to at the end of the podcast if you want to skip ahead to and see the And if you're listening stuff. on iTunes, there is also a podcast for it and other things like that. Yeah. Let us know what speed you listen at. What speed do you listen to, Sam? I It bothers everyone in my car, but I'm two times all mm-hmm. the time. If it's music, no, not two times. But two times any any audio that's ver- voices is two times speed. I'm a 1.5 time, and it's troubling to listen to your own podcast at 1.5 or two times because you sound like a chipmunk at times. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, I got off. What, what speed do you listen to, Justin? I don't listen to much in the car, so... I listen to music, and you can't—that would be weird to speed that up. That's right. And little, I listen to live sports. You can't speed that up because it's live, so— Little fun fact, yeah. if you didn't know, one thing about Justin I have learned since working here, he just said it, 
but mm-hmm. he does not listen to anything while he's driving not the car. Usually. He likes silence. Yeah, just usually For silence. the guy who sings the most at the church, yep. he likes silence. So Just good Anyways, quiet time. I'm way off track, but mm-hmm. that's how you get to know people. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Anyways. Okay, let me ask the first one. And you talked about the innocence. You talked about the mm-hmm. right, righteous. Uh, I'm, my words are failing me right here. But why does Jesus put a child in front of his disciples? when they're arguing about who will be greatest. And you just kind of answered that, but talk a little bit more, either one of you, Justin, Sam. Why Why does he use the imagery, symbolic thing of a child? Yeah. I would think because, um, and again, he's mostly referring to like really, really small children here, not kids that are like six, seven, eight years old, but babies and toddlers. Um, and so you think about a child, a child hasn't done anything. They can't do anything. They haven't done anything to like earn their way to God. Um, they don't know. Uh, so uh, the disciples are trying to figure out, you know, if, if we're if we're good or if we're great or whatever, how do we get a better place in your kingdom? And I think Jesus is just making the point by putting a child before them. Uh, look, it's not about how good or how great you are. It, it's actually um, those at the bottom those that humble themselves, those that know that they're weak and needy, those will be the the greatest in the kingdom, not people who think they could do anything um, to uh, earn his love. And so a child doesn't do anything to to earn God's love. Um, You know, something interesting as I was thinking about this, a lot of times we'll say, there's even songs about this, like faith like a child or childlike faith. I think we as Christians sometimes think there's a verse in the Bible that says that. But there's actually not. There is no verse in the Bible that says you need to have faith like a child. Uh, I, I think that was in like the 1700s. People started referring to childlike faith. Uh, I think we think of children that they they are trusting when they get a little bit older. Sometimes, like, but sometimes they're not. Like, think about your kid jumping in the pool. Usually, they they're scared to jump in the pool. It's not like, oh, dad's right there; he's going to catch me. Usually, they have to learn to to have faith. So. Um, I, I, it's not that children have great faith, so that's why uh, Jesus, you know, lifts them up. Uh, they don't have strong faith. They're just, uh, they don't have anything. All they have is is Jesus. It's funny. We were, uh, Melissa and I were looking back at videos we took of Mia Kate in China, but it's the same for all of our kids. It's that pool illustration you're giving, which happens, we're all three dads. Yep. It happens, you're standing at the pool and you're like, jump in, jump in. Mm-hmm. You go back and watch those videos and I would challenge you to, and you're sitting there, why are you forcing the kid to jump <laughs> into the pool? Right. And you know it's going to be fun, it's all those kind of things, but it is more childlike trust. Yeah. But it's the parent that's really pushing the kid. Yes, it's not right. the faith part. You yeah, know, it's yeah. the, mm-hmm. it's the it's trust good. to it. But, yeah. um, okay, uh, and I might... I don't know if Sam wants to say anything about... Yeah, go for it, Sam. I I agree. One of the things you pointed out on Sunday, Justin, as you taught, is that the other side of this conversation with the children is the rich young ruler, which their culture looked down on kids. Kids had no real status. The rich young ruler would have been the opposite side of that. Like, this guy had the ultimate status. And he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, there's no one good but God alone. What are you doing? And, you know, he said, well, I'm doing all the last half of the Ten Commandments. I'm doing, 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 doing. And in the end, his doing really isn't what what is enough, right? And so Jesus, at the end of that dialogue, says the first will be last, the last will be first. Uh, I think heaven's going to be full of people that are going to surprise us 
right? Maybe a lot of the the people who on the outside look like they're trying really hard to get, and again, as we grow in Christ, hopefully we grow in righteousness too. We become more like Him as we are disciples, right? But we're never going to get perfect on our own. That only comes through faith like a child. And, and those two stories kind of just smack us in the face because our world, and even us, and as we get older, uh, just as we rationalize to ourselves, we would think the guy who's who's really lived for the Lord, who's really obeyed everything, who, the guy who's been successful, he's got a lot of money, um, the guy who appears very, very strong, that that would be the guy that that we should all be aspiring to be. But Jesus says the exact opposite. Like it's that's harder not, for him to get in. Yeah. That you're you're uh, don't don't try with to just be so strong and just be the best and like be the smartest and be the wisest. Um, instead, uh, admit that you're weak and that you are absolutely dependent upon me. That's so hard for us though because most of us, especially men, but I'm sure women struggle with that too, uh, don't like to admit our weaknesses, um, and so we don't want to say no. I can't do anything. I can't do it on my own. Like, uh, I figured these things out. Look at all. I, I got a good degree. Look, I worked hard for that. Uh, so we want to list our accomplishments instead of saying, no, I'm nothing apart from Christ. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we never get calls wrong on the basketball court. Or <laughs> yes, right. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're never we're never wrong when it comes to yeah. basketball no, yeah. or, or anything, football. Yeah. Or Isn't that funny? Like, just thinking about that, like, is there ever a time someone is like, yeah, that was a foul? Like, if it's your team, you're, the fish, you're always so. It just it's hard to be a referee if you're a referee. God Absolutely. bless you. It is. I I actually think baseball umps have it the worst. True. And yeah. I've said that because ba- basketball referees are up there because the fans are so close. But baseball, you have time to think about the call over mm. and over. Oh, but yeah. how many times do you see the call reversed? That's what you're saying. Is right. It's never reversed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No matter what the coach says. Mm-hmm. And so I am. Lear- I joked about that on Sunday. I'm I'm a work in progress with that. I'm learning just to keep my mouth closed. But in our weakness, we are strong. And, and wouldn't it be funny, like thinking about preaching? Yeah, that's right. Uh, what if people were doing that to me, like during the sermon? You said that word wrong. <laughs> that was awful. That was terrible. Boo! <laughs> you stink. Uh, you know, that's what our, we do. So our often. online group is doing that, actually. <laughs> wow. We do. I do have a not related, but I have a cool story from online. It's it's related to this, but we had someone write in as part of Multiply, and they are from Europe, and they're wanting to be part of our even that. But something you've said in Multiply uh, that connects to this is the fact that we're going to be giving to the next generation. Uh, a building, a, a chance, a, a launching pad. Yeah. For a, we've used that word before, a launching pad that will impact that next generation. And we have no idea the gifts we're giving today, what it'll do for that generation, because there was a generation before us mm-hmm. that gave to have this building to do all that. So yeah, absolutely. But um, talk a little bit about uh, how through the love for children. Let's get back to the passage. Here's the question. How does Jesus' love for the children demonstrate his love for all oppressed people? And we were kind of mm. talking about that a little bit before this. Yeah, I I think just the reminder that Jesus um, places value on everyone. What the disciples were trying to do was to to uh, place the value on them, like, because they're children, because they're little, because they can't do anything for themselves, they don't matter. Um 
this could happen with uh, people that were born with a, uh, you know, in the New Testament, maybe with a disability, or maybe they, their job was, you know, like the shepherds or something, they had a lower job. But, but Jesus says, no, I'm the one that determines their value, and they all matter to me. And um, so, uh, yeah. So we did have one, I don't know if it's controversial, but just just question, and I'll put it out there for either one of you. Jesus says that those who receive the kingdom, this is at the end of that passage, Jesus said that those who receive the ki- kingdom receive it as a child. Hmm. Why does Jesus say that the kingdom must be, quote, received? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I mean, Sam may say have something to offer too, but I think um, like any gift, you have to choose to receive the gift. Uh, someone gives you a gift, uh, you have to decide, yes, I will take the gift. I was talking uh, several years ago with someone that is close to our family and uh, not a believer and was just uh, talking about, you know, this person was thinking that you have to do things in order to be a Christian. And I was just explaining that that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion is there is nothing we do. Jesus did it all for us uh, in that we just believe. And his question back to me was, oh, so you're saying we do have to do something. We have to believe. And uh, and so I guess in that one regard, yes, there, like Jesus is not going to force us to believe in him. Even those of us that uh, may be more reformed in our theology, he still uh, expects us to receive uh, the gift of Christ as he's revealed to us. Some would say you can't reject him. Um, but so you ha- if someone gives you a gift, Christmas time, whatever, your birthday, it's up to you. Do you want the gift or not? Uh, you can say, I don't want that gift. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to receive. It's not earned. It's received. One of you, when you preached, I think it was you, Justin, a couple mm-hmm. months ago said, what if you had a Christmas present and it sat there oh. all year and you never open it? It just sits in the corner. I, I think, think Sam said that. Was that, I don't, I don't remember. Or it was Both you. Both of you are great, impactful preachers. <laughs> yeah, it might have been you, ever, actually. Said that. No, it was not me. Oh, okay. Trust me, it was not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but if if the gift would just sit there unopened the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. But you wanted to say something to say. Now, I agree with what Justin just said. I, I think believing is receiving, receiving is believing. As some ask, where does repentance and follow go into that? Like you have to turn from life your way to Jesus to receive the gift, right? Do you get credit for that? No, he's the one giving the gift. You, you didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. Uh, it's it's all his work that has wrapped it, has has put it, it's, it's there for you to receive uh, but still you can reject. And, and that goes back to when we talked about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit several weeks ago. Uh, what is really that? It's, it's saying no to, to the gift that God has given. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Sam, with this last one before mm. we move to multiply. And mm-hmm. Justin, you can speak in, but I want to go right to Sam. With this one. <laughs> on the spot, so it's uh, not going to be one of these questions. No, it is we one have. of these okay, questions, okay. but it came in. It was okay. a little controversial also. Okay. Does G, uh, Do Jesus' commands to, quote, let the children come to him, uh, do not hinder them, mean that all children are, quote, saved? This is a trick question. <laughs> so we know from the Old Testament when we see a story where David and his sin, uh, it looks like a consequence of his sin as he loses the child that Bathsheba gave him. As the child is born sick, he spends time praying and fasting, the child dies, and then after the child dies, he gets up, he eats, and he's like, everything's fine. And and his even hit the servants around him are like, why are you fine now? Your child just died. And he's like, well, I'm not... 
he's not going to come to me, but I'm going to go to him. Like he, he knew that his child had gone to, again, eternal life where we're going to get to be. Uh, so I do believe that there's an age of accountability in, in a child's life where they, they're old enough to place faith, to choose sin versus choose to go the right way. I believe there's an age of accountability. But like Justin so clearly taught recently, or not recently, Sunday, uh, children aren't norm, naturally normally good, right? Y'all see it. I have two children. I love my daughters. They're incredible. They were born with us in nature, right? So at one point, we reach an age of accountability where we are choosing to live in sin. And when that happens, uh, those, those children are they're not going to heaven. They're going to hell until they place their faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for us. Uh, we, there's a real king, a real kingdom, right? And we, the, those who repent, believe, and follow Christ are those who are, are part of it. So yes, uh, th- that age of accountability, I think, comes in. And I think it's different for different children, uh, different based on, on where they are, even mentally, emotionally, uh, to, to be there. Uh, I would just yeah say I agree, and I think uh, it's a sensitive um, topic because uh, on the especially if you've had a child that was a baby or um, or a miscarriage yes or, that yeah. that you lost because uh, you know there's not one verse that you could point to 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 say uh, yes for sure it, on the surface scripture would seem to tell us no because the only way you can get uh, to God is through Jesus and that we're all there's none righteous not one that uh, we're all without excuse because of our sin but um, there are a few verses like um, in John 9 when we're dealing with this man who was born blind. Uh, it says in verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. And so if a person lacks just the natural ability to see their their blindness and their sin, uh, then that person's sin would not remain in them. Same thing with Romans 1.20. It says his divine attributes have been clearly seen, yeah. been understood. Children can't clearly see and understand uh, up to a certain age um, God's divine attributes. That's really talking about those that are uh, older. Um, so uh, the important thing, though, is if they are saved, which I believe that they are, it's not because they're innocent. They're guilty, but uh, even though they're guilty, they lack the capacity to see their their guilt. So I don't think God would hold someone accountable uh, as a little baby who who has no who can't comprehend sin whatsoever. There's also scriptures like John the Baptist. It says he was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. So maybe maybe babies can somehow be filled with uh, with the Spirit in the womb. So uh, but so I would say yes, I believe they. Uh, they're all saved. They go to heaven, but um, not because they're they've done anything, but because they they don't lack the ability to understand that they're sinners. So thinking about little children, thinking about our church, kind of transition uh, and not put you on the spot because Sam, you're filled with stories of this too. But you just said you were going to put me on the spot. <laughs> no, I said not to. That was I earlier. said not to clarify. Put you on the spot earlier. Let's bring in the referee <laughs> and have him make the call. <laughs> that was earlier with those two. Okay. Justin's got my technical back. Technical foul. So the spot is moved. <laughs> yes, technical. Take your, take your up. You two, get one more, you out of here. Two free throws. And <laughs> uh, what do you love about our children's ministry? Let's mm. let's let's make this. We've been deep. Let's let's 
bring it back up for a second. What do you love about you two love? Because Justin, yours are now in the youth group. Mm -hmm. Sam, you still have one in the, and and it could be the youth group, what yeah. you love yeah. about our youth group. So I love that the children's ministry is very intentional about it not being just child care and that they want to make disciples. I love that as the kids have gone through this multiply process with us, what they're talking about is growing as followers of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us and how we can serve others, not, hey, we're building bricks, right? Like that, that there is a heart behind our children children's ministry to point our kids really to really know the love of Jesus and what he has done for us to receive through believing like we've just talked about in the grace of Christ. And so that focus also I see as they talk is the love of Christ. They want the kids to understand how much God loves them. And so they talk about how much God loves them all, all the time, and my kids get to experience that. My uh, family goes to a, a life group uh, on Sunday nights uh, that's off campus, and driving home, we asked the kids, what did you learn this morning in church? And most of the time when my younger daughter talks, she's not talking about my sermon. It's talking about what she's been learning that morning in her life group in our children's building. So it's blessing. It's making disciples in my own home. Awesome. Well, let me, let me because we're running out of time, let me transition it specifically to Multiply then, because okay. that's yeah. what this is about, the next generation. Uh, it was an easy sermon to connect that this week with that. But talk a little bit. One of the questions came in, not necessarily about the next generation, but about missions. So let me, there were actually two. Um, one, are we planning to continue doing Transform Your World Beyond now? It's now called mm -hmm. Beyond uh, for missional giving over the next few years. And then also, uh, will we be increasing our giving to missions through Multiply? Yes. So we believe it would not make sense for us to say, hey, give above and beyond to this and give above and beyond to this two different times to ask the church to pray over giving above and beyond their normal giving during the same season. So we've decided to lump it in and put it part of multiply. And so it is additional giving. We're giving more than we would normally give to missions through the multiply project. In fact, we're lumping what has typically been in the past, the beyond budget into the multiply project. And it shows up under the church's headline. If you look at and you read the brochure, you'll see that that's not just churches. It's our legacy mission partners and other missional engagements. We're hoping to reach unreached people groups. We're wanting to start even an internship here to raise up new leaders that will become mission leaders and church leaders here in our church. And so uh, a, a residency program here, like we are wanting to invest more in missional work through Multiply. And so there's still going to be seasons where we're going to do over the next few years, focus on mission but it will have the multiply title for the next few years. And we're, we're going to invite people to be part of what God's doing through multiply as we increase our missional giving there. Let me, one of the questions came in through our FAQ we had last Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you gave a great answer. You probably won't remember exactly what you said, but, uh, and Justin, you can answer this too, because I think you've been in the meetings to know, but where are the youth going to meet uh, when we start building the building and you, you can answer, Sam. You're both pointing at each okay, other. Okay, yeah. So one of the really, uh, yeah, as we were, and I was in a room with many of our lay leaders that were part of this, this team, uh, planning and praying over God's process for us moving forward, the initial plan was the rock would be demoed because it's the one that needs to be replaced so for us to steward our facility, and they were going to put another building there. Uh, the complication then became there was going to be several years potentially where we were going to be without space on campus. This current plan, which is actually financially even more reasonable, also allows for the ministry to continue in the rock while it's being built because it's being built in a place where 
again, not where the rock is. And so the youth will continue to meet, Lord willing, if the chiller doesn't go out, if there's not something significant that happens as the facility deteriorates. We had a a major plumbing issue on Sunday. But the the Lord willing will continue to meet in that building as the other building gets built. And uh, the the whole Multiply Initiatives is about relationships, church plants, and environments. Correct. And we're talking specifically, we talked about uh, kind of the um, relationships with missions, with church plants, all that. Answer real quick, uh, right before we started recording, you were talking about church plants, and, mm-hmm. and do we have any new church plants on the horizon? Absolutely. We're very much in the dialogue right now with people that are leaders. Uh, we've been sending people through a process with an organization that's called Stadia to help vet. Uh, planters, potential planters. We're hoping to bring a potential plant to our church this fall. Uh, we are tomorrow meeting with church plants in our area and other uh, that are part of this network that we get to be part of helping to lead. Uh, so I'll be at lunch with a lot of these pastors, and there we're going to be presenting a conference that we're hoping to help put on in May with church plants that are in our area. So we're on the ground working with planters. Uh, the reason we were talking about is right before one of the Cadence Church that we've talked about in the series, they just had a tragedy today in their church. You might pray for them as they walk through the loss of several people in their their congregation. Um, But yes, there are churches on the horizon to be uh, continued. Get ready. It'll be exciting. And if you wanted more information about Multiply, firstmckinney.com slash Multiply. It'll be up there even if you're listening to this a couple months after um, we have recorded it. You're welcome to get involved with that, find out what's happening. I know uh, the environments here on campus, it'll be a couple years, you know, as those are going in and gets exciting as you see some of the bricks go up and, and we've talked about that. But uh, before we go, I want to give either one of you a chance because this is about the next generation. That's really what you focused on. And honestly, you both are great dads. You just need to know that. Uh, whether you yell at the ref or not, and we've been giving Justin a hard time, which it's a lot harder to give Justin a hard time than it is Sam, Sam for some reason. Uh but if you know them well, you understand that statement. Mm. But uh, do y'all have any parenting advice or parenting resources? And and we'll kind of wrap it up after this. Mm. So it doesn't have to be long, but if they've stuck with us until now, uh, do either one of y'all have some parenting resources that might help? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Two quick things. First, a book that had significant impact on me is Shepherding a Child's Heart and How Do You Lead Not Focused on the Hands But the Heart. And I think that is following the example of Christ. Uh, Second thing I would say, parenting advice that was given to me, and I've shared this if you've been in our church in a few services, but because I lean towards, I'm a one on the Enneagram, do the right thing. Uh, I had someone encourage me uh, as a father to communicate grace and the love of the father to my children. And so before they get out of the car, every every morning, because I'm the morning guy taking my girls to school, I'll ask, is there anything you can ever do to change how much I love you? My daughter made a tough decision last week. She was second-guessing whether it was right. I was able to ask her, is there anything you can ever do to make me love you less? No, and that's the love that God has for us. And then before they get out, I say, okay, go have fun loving others today. And that's where we get to be in our love relationship with God. So let's communicate that down. And that wasn't original to me. I was encouraged to do it, and it's been really helpful for me. I picture you saying, go love your neighbor as she gets out. Uh, No, go go love others. I think this message of come to Jesus, weak, needy, dependent is... um, it's so important for our children to hear because the world is sending them the opposite yes. message um, that you got to be strong, you got to be great, you don't admit that you're weak, and only those that uh, 
you know, that work really, really hard and, and, uh, you know, don't make many mistakes, whatever, they'll be the greatest, um, especially through social media. They know, because the problem is they, they know that they can't ever measure up and, and that's just crushing them. Uh, and so I think that's so important. I, I gave the example on Sunday about Maddie, who's such a great, uh, our middle daughter, uh, such a great basketball player, but I never want her to think that she's loved uh, by me and Holly or by uh, the Lord because of anything that she does. And so one of the things that we tell her all the time is um, you could have had zero points. You could, you know, you could have got benched. Um, there are some kids that never get into the game. Uh, if that's your kid, you don't lo- if you love them less or differently, like after a game, if you're like, hey, why did you not get to play? Or why did you not score? Are you... You played awful. Like, let, just go back to Jesus. Is is that how Jesus treats us? Uh, is that what we want to be instilling in our kids? And our kids get beat down by the world so much. They the last thing they need is mom and dad beating them down for not living up. And so I would say the biggest thing is just give them grace. There's a book actually written by two ladies. I think it's a mother and daughter. Uh, I think one of the ladies' names is Fitzpatrick, and the other one, last name is Thompson, I think. And But it's called Give Them she's Grace. Not, she's not one of the quarterbacks for... No, I don't think... Okay, not Ryan for Fitzpatrick. Right. Another it, great book, Grace-Based Parenting, mm. uh, Tim Kimmel. Okay, very, cool. Very much on that topic. Yeah, so get... Not Jimmy Kimmel either. No, different okay. Tim Kimmel. And then anything by anything by Paul David Tripp, uh, he writes a lot about parenting, is incredible. I think he's got one called like 14 Gospel Principles for Parenting. Uh He's amazing. And then uh, if anyone is does want to know more about that, um, the whole topic of children dying in infancy or in the womb, John MacArthur actually wrote a book called uh, Safe in the Arms of God. And that is the whole uh, point of that book is what happens to babies when they die. And uh, so that would be a good resource. And some of those resources we just talked about are available in our home center at the church, which is open every Sunday if you want to swing by and check out some parenting resources. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. I'll give uh, I'll give Sam you the last word, but before I do, make sure you like, share, review, rate, all the things for this podcast. If you want Multiply stuff, firstmckinney.com slash multiply. If you want to listen to any of the sermons upcoming or uh, whenever you're listening to this, firstmckinney.com slash on demand. And then last thing, we'd love to hear your questions, comments, any of those. Text the word question, 96123, 96123. And uh, text, it'll give you a prompt, then text those in. I'll get those and we'll discuss it here. But Sam, why don't you, oh, I didn't say this. I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but our Commitment Sunday is coming up. So uh, we do hope you'll stop and pray for um, pray for that uh, as as that comes up. And if if you're listening to this too late, you can still give a commitment to that and, and find out more about Multiply. I was just going to say a special word of thank you to our sound engineer today, Andrew Pereira. Yeah. Or as some people know him, Pereira Bread. So yeah. thank you to Andrew Pereira. Uh, that is a playoff of Panera Bread. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's mm-hmm. always with us in the room doing a great it's job. It's always better when you explain the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Last word, Sam, and close us out. 
Uh, I, I would just say I'm so thankful to get to serve next to people that I love and respect. And uh, Justin preaches grace as he leads worship every week, and he also got to preach grace from God's Word over my life and family today. And so thank you. Our, we, our home, needed what Justin shared on Sunday. So if you missed it, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Mark and Andrew, for the way you enable it to happen. So. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.